back and the Bitcoin pump looks like it's failed. We know why it's failed. We also know what caused the pump. From a technical point of view, though, we have rejected the 200-week moving average, which is not a good thing from a technical point of view. Then we need to ask ourselves, is this pump really over? And that's one of the things that we're going to be speaking about today. The next thing we're going to be speaking about today is the SBF trial, because he's going on trial today. This is the beginning of the trial. Here's what you can expect in the next couple of weeks. So we're looking at a six-week trial with prosecutors expected to take a month to make Ooh. their case. We don't yet know whether Bateman Free will testify, but the witness roster is expected to include his top deputies at FTX and Alameda, who also used to comprise his innermost social circle. That includes Bateman Freed's ex-girlfriend and former Alameda CEO Caroline Ellison, as well as his ex-best friend from high school math camp Gary Wang, who co-founded FTX. Both pleaded guilty in December to multiple charges and have been cooperating with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan for... So we're going to be bringing you coverage of the trial live because the jury selection actually starts while we're live on the show. So we're going to bring, bring you some live coverage. Also, we're going to break down what we can expect from the trial in the next six weeks. It's going to be great viewing that I can assure you. Then, after five years of silence, Satoshi Nakamoto, or the account called Satoshi Nakamoto, actually tweeted yesterday for the first time and said, Bitcoin is a predicate machine. Over the following months, we shall explore different aspects that were not explicitly contained within the white paper. This account hasn't tweeted for five years. And the last time that this account tweeted, Bitcoin dropped by 50%. So who is behind this account? And why are they all of a sudden tweeting? We're going to be covering that today. And then lastly, we've got to talk about the Dixie. Because if you look at the Dixie and you look at how the Dixie is performing, the Dixie is on a tear. It looks like it's not going to stop. And for as long as the Dixie goes up, risk assets, including crypto, are going to go down. So we're going to talk about that. And then we should probably also talk about how ETH, how the ETH ETF, <clears throat> ETH futures ETF launch went yesterday. And what does this actually mean for ETH? So yeah, we've got a huge show today. Let's go. Let's go. show for you today. Um, we're going to be the first station, I think, to report on the SBF jury trial live while it starts because the jury, the, the trial actually starts today. If you do want to watch, um, we have got our researchers on full alert in the newsroom right now. And what they can do, you see, you're actually watching the, our newsroom live here on Banter Bubble. So you can see uh, Joe the Irishman says, Run wants to cross over to the live coverage in the show. He has the live coverage Coindesk link. But any other links and quotes, please drop them here. You can see this is where we, they're keeping me updated. You can also be updated. All you need to do is go to Banter Bubbles and uh, banterbubbles.com. Click on this button over here, which says newsroom. Go to news and you'll be watching live coverage of the trial in real time on our, on our uh, uh, Banter Bubbles app. All right, let's go. We've got a lot of things to do, so let's just get the formalities out the way. And the formalities are that if you're not already part of the best crypto family in the world, now is your chance. You can still subscribe. It's still free. It'll always be free. Um, yeah, it will always be free. Uh, subscribe to our channel. Give us some love. Um, if, you're, if you are a subscriber, uh, let's see if we can beat the number of likes we had yesterday. Yesterday we had 1,400 likes, right? 1,400 likes by the end of the show. Let's see if the, the, you lot can beat yesterday's lot and we can smash that 1,400 um, 1, uh, 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 number that we got yesterday. Anyway, on with the alpha of the show. Um, let's look. I mean, I guess now we know exactly what happened with this Bitcoin rally. Let's look at what happened with the rally and then decide what what uh, what the next steps are going to be. So you want to look at what happened with the rally. Let's go back to the one hourly. Let's look at exactly the time that the rally happened. It was 10 o'clock on our time, 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. as you can see on TradingView. 
What happened exactly at 10 o'clock? Well, the CME market opened. Uh, let me just refresh that for you guys. CME market opened. Um, you can see it was Sunday, 5 p.m. That was exactly when the CME market opened, which means that this rally was actually a futures rally of people who hedged the government, who tried to hedge or try to short the government shutdown. So a lot of people thought that the government was going to shut down when they realized that the government wasn't, when they thought the government was going to shut down. On the CME, they took a whole lot of short futures positions. When the, this, on Friday, when they left and the CME closed, they could not trade out of their positions. When the market actually opened on Sunday, on Sunday night, at 5 p.m. our time or 5 p.m. Their, uh, uh, their time, which is 12 p.m. or 10 p.m. Uh, as per trading view, they could then close their shorts. That was a futures short squeeze and that took the market back up. And so what we're getting now is we, we got, we've got the, the rally kind of unwinding because all the, the CME short uh, futures now unwinded. We're back at 27,529. There is some good news. We didn't give back all the gains. We gave back some of the gains. So we still, you know, the rally started at 27,100, if I'm not mistaken, 27,066. We did go as high as 28,600. That was the first sign that it was actually a short squeeze. Then you see, we, we came down to 27,524. So in technical language, we're actually putting in a higher low. So you can see like on the hourlies, high, higher lows, higher lows, higher lows. We've got to watch that pretty closely. If you go into a slightly bigger time frame, same thing, higher lows, higher lows, higher lows. So all in all, it was a healthy rally, but a short squeeze rally is not going to be the type of rally that's going to get us above the the 200 week moving average. And unfortunately, that is the opponent that we, we're facing right now. Now, let's really zoom in here and I think we closed above the 200-week moving average. I don't know. You guys tell me. It looks to me like we closed it. Kyle Dupe says we didn't quite close above the 200-week moving average, if I remember correctly. He says it was a clear rejection. I don't know. My chart and his chart seem to be different. Maybe he's looking at the weekly. I'm looking at the daily. That's, that's probably why. And I probably should look at the weekly on a, on a chart like that. Um, so that is, that is the, some of the bad news. So some of the bad news. There's, there's good news and bad news. Good news we are higher than where we started the rally. Bad news is the rally was just a short squeeze. Bad news is that we have the 10-year treasury yield at 4.722%, uh, which means that the last time that the 10-year treasury yield was at this rate was in July 2007. So we've got interest rates shooting up in the United States. At the same time, we've got the Dixie, Let's quickly go to the Dixie, and you can see what's going on with the Dixie. The Dixie is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely on a tear. So that's some, some more bad news. You've got the Dixie, 14 weeks of green candles. I mean, how's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 14 weeks of green candles. I think um, uh, Ben said, Ben Khan said the last time the Dixie had 12 weeks of green candles was in 2014. It then had a two-week correction in mid-October, followed by another major move to the upside that lasted several months. I like Ben and I like his analysis, but Ben's always looking for similarities in previous cycles. I believe that these cycles cannot remain, the cycles can be similar, but they can't remain the same. The other good news is that if you look at the bubbles and you look at the bubbles on a weekly time frame, you can see that some of the, the, the major tokens and specifically the major tokens that we've been dealing with haven't yet given back their gains. So Solana is still up 27.9% this week, still trading at 24.66. Actually, 
That's very good for Solana. Let's quickly go to Solana on the charts. 2465. So Solana is smashing it, okay? Because, as I said to you, Solana DevCon is coming up. We'll be at Solana DevCon. If you want to hang out with us, we'll be there uh, at the end of the month in Amsterdam, of all places. Now, um, for those of you who don't know what happens in Amsterdam, I think we should all meet in Amsterdam. We can do what Sheldon and I did the last time we went to Amsterdam. We can smoke a spliff and we can walk around the red light district and smile and have fun. So we'll meet you in Amsterdam. We're supposed to be on a credibility mission. Here I am talking about smoking spliffs in Amsterdam. Let's get on with the show. Um, You can see more in the weekly. Um, More in the weekly. Rune up 17.6%, another token that we're long. Rollbit, another token that we we have called on the show, up 37.74%. Gala Games, 22.38%. Casper, up 10% this week. So the good news is, there's a couple of bits of good news. One is, we're still up for October on Bitcoin, and we did close up in September. And as I said, I still believe we're going to close way, way, way further up in October. I, I hold that position. Um, I'll do another tweet. We can we can point at the tweet uh, like we did the last time. Second bit of good news, the altcoins are holding onto their gains. Solana, Rollbit, Gala, Render. And these are the altcoins that as a channel we've been pretty bullish on. So that's the second bit of good news. Bad news, Dixie's on a tear. 10-year treasury yield is is on, on a tear. Um, and what it feels like is it feels like people are starting to brace themselves for higher for longer rates which is what Jerome Powell has actually been saying to us. You know, the one thing about the Fed is that the Fed hasn't lied to us. The Fed told us exactly what they're going to do. Jerome Powell keeps saying to us, I'm going to make rates higher for longer. And that's exactly what he's doing. Um, and people that, that out there, like Jamie Dimon, he's calling for 7%. This was on Bloomberg yesterday. Just listen to what he's saying. I just tell people, be prepared for higher rates and slower growth. 7%. Are we really going there? And and how is that? I don't know. When I said 5%, they said, are we going there? Yeah, it's possible. You know, when I I talk to my board, I say, yeah, can it go to 7%? The answer is yes. Are there factors that would drive it, you know, higher than, you know, where it is today? You know, four and a half, four, six, or four, seven, I'm talking about a 10-year bond now. Yes. Uh, Is supply and demand push high? Yes. I'm, I'm just saying, be prepared for it. So, and, 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 and then, so it feels like the market's starting to price in rates that are higher for longer. And that's why if you look at the 10-year yield, the 10-year treasury yield is, let's just go, but I mean, it's at the highest rates that it's been, US 10-year treasury yield. Um, highest rates that it's been, 4.718%, which is the highest rate it's been since June uh, 2007, which is before the financial, uh, before the financial crisis. Higher rates means that there's a higher chance of banking collapses and real estate collapses and stuff like that. And that's really what the market's starting to, to price in now. Um, yesterday, when we were on Twitter Spaces, I said to the guys, I don't understand something about this rally. And this is, I said, what doesn't make sense to me is that everything that we were watching yesterday kind of said that Bitcoin should be moving down and Bitcoin was moving up. And when I mean, what I mean by everything was against what Bitcoin um was against Bitcoin yesterday. The Dixie was up on the tear, uh, as you can see. Gold, <clears throat> gold was on the way down. So if you look at if you look at uh, gold, let's just quickly go to gold. Uh, G O L D. So if you look at gold, gold is on the way down. So people aren't talking about a safe haven or a, or a safe haven. Look look at the the Bitcoin ch- at the gold chart for the last seven or eight days. Look, I mean that's a, a drop. Now generally, if Bitcoin is going to be a store of value, it should. It should follow um, gold if, if people are going to for a safe home. So that, that didn't make sense. You had a Dixie that was moving up. You had 10-year treasury yields that were moving up. And you had gold moving down. 
which kind of makes sense. And then you had Bitcoin moving up, which didn't actually make sense at all. So I don't know. I guess that this that this rally is. Um, I guess the good news is that some of the altcoins are slapped, but for now the rally seems like it has failed. Um, what we need to be convinced that this rally hasn't failed is we need Bitcoin to smash through this 200-week moving average. I think if we can break through this 200-week moving average over here and we can close above the 200-week moving average um, on the daily and then, of course, more importantly, on the weekly, then we got ourselves a game. Then the rally is still in play. But if not, if we reject it over here and it was actually a CME pump, which is what I tweeted earlier today, then, well, then we are where we are. And then we just got to expect and hope for the next part of the rally. So let me know what you think. Let me know if you if you bought into this rally. Um, yeah, let me know. And let me know if you're present. I haven't seen who's here. So Satoshi Nakamoto. He says this channel. I mean, speak. <laughs> Do you see that tweet from Satoshi Nakamoto? He says he said this channel. Can you see that, Josh? Bring that bring that tweet up. The the comment. Cause, yeah, there he is. Now, so look, Satoshi Nakamoto. He seems to be awake again. He seems to be awake again. What do I mean? Well. He's here on the channel, as you can see. Uh, also, if you look at Twitter, at Twitter, there is an, a, an account called the Satoshi Nakamoto account. Here it is. This is the Satoshi Nakamoto account. And the Satoshi Nakamoto account has been dormant for five years. We haven't heard from this account for five years. And before that, I mean, we had a, a lot of tweets from this account in, on, on one day. And then if I remember correctly, we didn't get tweets for a long time before that. So let's just quickly go... This guy's obsessively, obsessively posting. Um, anyway, the last time that Satoshi Nakamoto posted, we got a 50% drop in the price of Bitcoin. And what we're getting again is after a five-year dormancy, we're having this account tweeting again. So who is this account and why is this account tweeting? First of all, I don't think it's Satoshi Nakamoto. So don't worry. It doesn't, it, this is not Satoshi Nakamoto. He's not coming back from the dead or from the missing and he's not going to start selling coins. It looks to me like this account is actually being um, driven by um, one of Craig Wright's cronies. Okay, so let's talk about who Craig Wright is because a lot of you don't know who Craig Wright is. Craig Wright is an Australian scientist. He claims that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. He's not, he's not the nicest guy I've ever met. I, I interviewed him once on CNBC. It wasn't the best interview I've ever done. I, I won't lie to you. Um, he, he, in fact, if you guys could send me in, in, in the show group the interview, if you could look for it, You'll see how, how rude he was when, when I interviewed him. Anyway, not the best guy. Um, he's been claiming that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. But now there's trouble in, 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 in BSV land, which is actually quite interesting because if you look at BSV, BSV is actually one of the tokens that's up 30% this week, whilst there's big trouble in, in, in BSV land. Now, he claims he was Satoshi Nakamoto. He then had a disagreement with Bitcoin around block sizes, and he forked it into Bitcoin Cash. Then Bitcoin Cash forked into Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. And today he is, you could say, the lead figure in Bitcoin SV. Now there's a big problem because the CEO of Enchain Global, which is the lead development company for BSV, has departed. And the reason why he departed, he says, I found compelling evidence that Dr. Craig Wright has manipulated documents with the aim to deceive the court that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. I am today myself convinced that Dr. Craig Wright is not Satoshi Nakamoto, and I'm persuaded that he will lose in all his legal battles, so exposing that he's not actually Satoshi Nakamoto. So let's just quickly go through a, a, a series of events. The CEO leaves. Um, he says he found compelling evidence that, Satoshi, that Craig Wright manipulated documents to deceive the court that he's not Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, 
He's been removed from Dr. Craig Wright from Enchain's website as chief scientific officer. He says there's only one decision maker, and the decision maker is this guy called Kelvin Eyre. Kelvin Eyre is this multi-millionaire or billionaire who made his money primarily on, I think, I think online gambling. Um, and if I remember correctly, he actually served some prison time in the United States. I may be wrong, but in fact, let's quickly just check that out because we don't want, you know, Kelvin Eyre coming to sue us. So let's have a look here and say Kelvin Eyre, prison. That's a good search. Um, uh, Kelvin sentenced Eyre to one year of unsupervised probation and a fine of $500,000. So maybe he wasn't in prison, but he, he, was, he was actually sentenced uh, a while back. Anyway, long story short, that he believes, he said, it isn't a coincidence that Satoshi account is being used during this time when I exposed Craig. The account has been taken over by Craig. The previous owner is a Craig Wright fanboy, a guy called Andy Rowe. So don't be fooled when you see the Satoshi Nakamoto account tweeting. Satoshi Nakamoto hasn't come back from the dead. It seems like it's one of Craig Wright's um, cronies that is actually in charge of that account. All right, what else? There's a lot to cover today. Um, I see you only got 602 likes. That's it, 602 likes. So while we are racking up likes, I'm going to, I'm going to show you a little opportunity that you guys have. Every day at Banter, I get a document. That document forms the basis for every single bit of content that I make and every single decision that I make on the markets, okay? It is, we call it internally, we call it runs show notes. It's a research document. If you want to be part, we've now made it into a newsletter. If you want to be part of the newsletter, there's a link below. Let's put that as the, as the main link. Please don't pledge money or anything like that. I don't need money. I mean, unless, unless you, you know, I become like BitBoy. Um, for now, I don't need any money. Um, if you want to get the show notes delivered to your mailbox every single day, this is what they look like. Um, here we go. It, it says, what did I learn? What can I do about it? It talks about Bitcoin and then all the big stories of the day, every single day. You'll get it just after my show. The reason why I don't want to give it before the show is because I'm scared the competitors are going to use my show notes to make their, their shows. They can do that. You know, like we, 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 they can do that. So um, if you want it, subscribe below already. We're going to give it free to the first, we said 1,000, but we'll give it free to the first 2,000 subscribers. Then we're going to start charging for it. All right, let's go on to the next story, which is the Ethereum ETF story. So yesterday we had the ETH Futures ETF that launched. I told you when it yesterday, I said it's a bit of a nothing burger. And the reason why it's a bit of a nothing burger is I can't imagine why Wall Street investors would want to hold an ETF of ETH Futures. Okay. I mean, they want to hold ETH. They want exposure to ETH. But to buy an ETF of ETH Futures when you can just go and buy the futures themselves, I don't know. Don't think it's a it's a very compelling um uh, offering. So what we have is now yesterday, the ETH futures launched. Very, very, very disappointing. If I remember correctly, uh, the total, total, total volume across all the ETH futures that happened yesterday, tell me in the, in the, in the comments what you think, less than $2 million, $1.96 million. You, you heard that right. And I think, what is the number, Scarecrow, what is the number of the total ETH volume traded on exchanges yesterday? Couple of billion, couple of billion. And only $2 million in ETH futures trading actually happened. So let's just listen to what Eric Balkahuna said about this. It's a special day, Katie. This is an unprecedented day in the history of ETFs. Never seen this happen before. We have a multitude of Ether and Ether plus Bitcoin futures ETFs launching all on the same day. 
Remember when Bitto launched? That was two years ago. Those Bitcoin futures, only one launched, and it got like all the volume, basically. So the SEC was like, well, we don't want to do that anymore. Let's have them all out to have fair play. So here's the ones all in the market trading today. There's their volume. I kind of sorted it by Nobody the most volume as of trade year. Total of two uh, million dollars trading. Not that much. Although compared to a regular launch, it's a lot, but it's not a lot versus Bitto. So a little less interest in here, uh, interest in these. And it's going to be an interesting uh, to watch these uh, ETFs jockey per position because the uh, one. So long story short, not a lot of of of. Um of interest in ETH futures, but it does actually raise a question. And I want you to tell me what you think about this comment. And I'll tell you at the end what I think. So Matt Hogan, who's Matt Hogan? Matt Hogan is the CEO of Bitwise. He says, look, he says, look, lots of excitement and media coverage today around the ETH futures ETF launch, but so far very little coverage of ETH itself. I think ETH is one of the most compelling investor opportunities in the world for five reasons. And I think I agree with him. Reason number one, he says, Ethereum is targeting the largest investment community in the world, in, in crypto, bigger even than Bitcoin. He says, and I love Bitcoin. So this is the, the punchline here. Do you think that he's right here by saying that Ethereum is targeting the largest investment opportunity in crypto, bigger even than Bitcoin? Ethereum is the new global computing platform that could rewire how the entire financial industry and much of the creative world works. He says, Ethereum's value is driven by cash flows, which is very different from many other crypto assets. The more people use Ethereum network, the more revenue the blockchain generates. This revenue benefits ETH holders through the crypto equivalent of buybacks and dividends. As he's obviously referring to the ETH burn. So the third thing, ETH has the most applications and developers in crypto. If you're looking for where the next breakthrough crypto application will appear, look no further than ETH. Number four, Ethereum is already being used as a platform by a big company. Nike did 200 million in digital uh, revenue on Ethereum. PayPal just launched a new payment solution on Ethereum and on Solana. Uh, no, Visa launched on Solana. Goldman Sachs structured a 100 million bond on Ethereum. That bond, for what it's worth, settled in one minute instead of the standard five days. Reason number five. Ethereum is likely to be the home of real-world asset crypto adoption. If you're excited about tokenization, you should be excited about Ethereum. So what do you think? I mean, he makes a compelling case for why Ethereum might actually be a better investment than Bitcoin. It's also, as we know, earlier in this adoption cycle, very keen to know what you guys there think, whether you would be buying more Bitcoin or whether you'd be buying more ETH. I'll tell you at the end of the show what I think, whether I'd be buying more Bitcoin or buying more ETH, and I'll tell you why as well. Um, also, yesterday we had Grayscale. Remember, they haven't even managed to get their GBTC con converted into a trust. And now... They are converting the, or they've, they've started to uh, convert the ETH trust into an ETH spot ETF. So because they won the case against the SEC, where the SEC said, look, you, you allowed for ETH futures, uh, for Bitcoin futures ETFs, why won't you allow for a spot ETF? So what did they do? They waited for the SEC to approve an ETH futures ETF, and then they said, ah, 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 hold on a second. We want to apply, we want to swap our ETH trust. And they know that the SEC is in a bit of a, a snookered position right now because the SEC can't now say, hold on a second, um, we're not going to approve it because you've approved a futures ETF. Now, you remember what the judge said to you the last time. You remember the judge said, hold on a second, you can't, um, uh, you can't, you can't be, uh, what do you say, capricious, capricious, can't be capricious and treat one different from the other. And so... It was, it's kind of cool because it's, like, it's like, almost like a game of speeches. As soon as the ETH ETF futures were approved, bang, 
Grayscale hits the, moves the piece and goes, your move, SEC. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Remember, we are going to be crossing live to the SBF trial. Not live because they're not televising it, but we are going to give you live updates in, in a few seconds. Um, before we go there, uh, just a reminder, the SEC has until the 13th of October to appeal the decision in the previous case. I wonder if they are actually going to appeal it. Um, before we go there, just a few things that I want to point out. Then we're going to go into the SBF story. And I want to show you something really funny when it comes to the SBF story. One is, we've spoken about this. If you want my show notes every day dropped into your mailbox, there is a subscription link below. Two, Bybit are having a, a, a lucky draw campaign uh, at the moment. Let me just open that over there. So Bybit are having a lucky draw campaign at the moment. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. All you need to do is sign up for Bybit. If you already are signed up with one of our links, go and click on this register now. The, the link for the competition is underneath in the description. It's the top link. Hey, hey Josh. Correct. Correct. Um, and for the next 88 days, free spins to affiliated users. You can, um, you can trade more and spin 25 times. So the more you, you trade, the more you spin. What can you win? 50, uh, $50 airdrop, iPhone 15 Pros. Apple Watch, Apple Headphones. Uh, what else can you win? AirPods. So lots of stuff. Just spin and win. Basically, just go and, and, and check it out. Um, also, I think before we get into the main story, uh, the jury selection is actually starting right now. Um, another sponsor that I think we should mention is Gains GNS. So this is the platform. It's a decentralized perpetuals trading platform. So it's like what you're trading on Bybit and BitGet and, and, and whatever else. But, 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 but. Here, you're trading it decentralized. And I mean, this is one of the best applications that I've seen that actually does this. And they've launched a couple of new features. The first thing is they have aligned, the stakers actually get 60 to 80% of the revenue. Also, go to this tweet and you can see that they've launched a whole lot of tutorials to help you onboard onto uh, GNS. Now, full disclosure, they're a sponsor and this is one of my biggest crypto holdings at the moment. So full, full, full disclosure, you, you know that I've told you about that. Um, but I'm pushing them because I really believe in the product. I'm an investor. I paid, you know, bought the tokens um, on the market. So it's, it's one of those situations. All right, let's go into the story of the day. And that is the SBF trial, which starts today. Before we get there, I think we should all watch this just to remind us about a year ago where we were. This is going to blow your minds. I just wanted to let you know, jail's not that bad. It's, um, it's, always, <laughs> it's, it's not the worst thing ever, you know, so don't, don't fret. If that, I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, it's it's not that bad. Good to know. Sam. Sam. Okay, so let's watch that again. It's not that bad. It's uh, so. What is this? This is the All In podcast. This is the All In podcast. Um, this is Martin Shkreli is his name. Now he is a convicted hedge fund manager. He was convicted of some kind of fraud. He spent some time in jail. That's Doug Kwan. He's currently in jail. That's SBF. He's currently in jail. His trial starts today. That's Suzu. He's currently in jail in Singapore. Um, not for fraud. He's only in jail for not working with the liquidator in, in the Three Arrows liquidation case. So that's why he's actually in jail. Anyway, let's go back to the main story. So we have um, SBF's trial starting today. Let's quickly look at a timeline of what this trial actually looks like. So October 3rd, which is today, jury selection. Then October 4th, tomorrow, the trial actually begins. We should have a whole lot of witnesses that are going to be 
um, in the trial. Caroline Ellison should be in the trial. Gary Wang should be in the trial. Nishad Singh should be in the trial. Andre Fundamova, and Andrea Fundamova, economist, expert witness. Peter Easton, professor, uh, expert witness. Let's actually see what's happening in the trial. So I'm on the newsroom right now, the Banton newsroom. Uh, let's see what you see. This is how cool the newsroom is. You can actually see the news as I get the news. And then you can just click it and you can actually watch how the bubbles respond to the news. So let's quickly look at what we're getting here. So this is a we are Matthew outside Russell the Inner City Press here. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. It's the day we've been waiting for the jury selection in U.S. versus Bankman Freed. Bankman Freed, presumably already here from the MDC Brooklyn. Uh, he'll be sitting at the table as the jurors are selected and we will be live tweeting it in great detail because a lot will ride on the jury. Sam Bankman-Free, it seems like a pretty strong case. seems like a pretty strong case when the money goes rolling and the, the whole thing collapsed overnight and you were the boss um, and somehow the money went from right, So that is, that's but outside the courtroom. Know. That's Take outside the courtroom right now. Let's see if there's anything when it comes to actual jury selection. So let's see if there's anything that's come out. Uh, actual jury selection. They, okay, so we do know lawyers from FTX seek to block remote testimony from a Ukrainian witness. They said they don't want any remote uh, testimony. Um, Michael Lewis said yesterday that, let's, quickly, let's actually open that and just quickly listen to it. Okay, this isn't, it's, um, I mean, he, he, Michael Lewis, he wrote the SBF book, which I think launches this week, if I'm not mistaken. I think it actually launches this week. Um, what else about, about this? So I think the jury selection is pretty important. We're going to watch the jury selection live. Hopefully we can do it. I think Martin Shkreli is actually right. And I remember this guy's been convicted of fraud, but just listen to what he says. Innocent, you'll, you'll be found innocent at trial and you have a jury of your peers and so forth. Reality is quite a bit different. The government almost never loses. And that's not because the government does everything right. I think if you look at the other parts of government, you know that nobody's 99% right. And um, I think it's often because, uh, for example, we'll talk about Ronnie Abrams, the judge for Sam, who I actually think is a really good pick for him. Judge Abrams was a prosecutor. Almost every federal judge was a prosecutor. They don't see things through defendant's light. Every criminal that's brought before them is basically a criminal in their eyes before they're found guilty. Um, and it's routine to them. Every day they have a criminal in their court, uh, alleged criminal, a defendant, and every day they sentence them and find them guilty. It's almost never a case that a jury says you're, you're home free, especially in the federal system. So Sam is looking at Chances extremely are. unlikely odds, and especially the fact that he's cooperators, mountains of evidence. His best bet, in my opinion, is plead guilty, try to get 20 years, something like that, and hope that your unprecedented cooperation will give you some kind of you know, some kind of uh, favor from, from prosecutors to the judge. That's, I think, your best bet. So he says, he says, look, Bankman Freed should actually just accept defeat, get 20 years in prison and get like, you know, maybe released on, on good behavior. Let me know in the comments if you think that SPF is actually going to get jail time. And if you do, let me know how much jail time you think he's going to get and how much jail time he's actually going to serve. Because I think that that's the big question here. So if this... This whole SPF conspiracy is real and SPF is just a puppet and etc. Then chances are the court system will let him off with a very, very, very lenient uh, fine, right? So let me know. In the, we're six weeks away. The jury's being selected today. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think SPF is actually going to, um, uh, uh, what's going to happen with, with SPF and how many years he'll get and then how many years he'll actually serve. In the meantime, get this. Get this. Remember that CZ tweeted, and that's what actually started the house of cards falling down. So remember this tweet from, from CZ. 
Uh, there we go. He said, uh, as part of Binance, as part of uh, Binance's exit from ATX last year, Binance received roughly 2.1 billion USD equivalent in cash and FTT. Due to the recent revelations that have come to light, we've decided to liquidate any remaining FTT on our books. That is the tweet that actually started the collapse of, of FTX, right? Now, that tweet, right now, today, there is a guy called Nir Lahav, and he has started a class action case against Binance. Get this, get this, get this. Against Binance for alleged harm to FTX before its collapse. So instead of saying, look, SBF actually ran a fraud, they're saying, look, CZ, you harmed FTX by with, using that tweet. You harmed FTX, and, and, and now they want to sue CZ for it. Is that not the most bizarre story that you've ever heard? I think it's bizarre. Like, SBF was running a fraud syndicate. He was taking users' money and using users' money to invest in Alameda. He was pledging Alameda tokens. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. And for six weeks, we're going to hear stories about this. And you want to sue CZ for, making, for being transparent and saying, we're going to liquidate our FTX holdings? Seriously? Is that where we are in the cycle? Is that, is that what it is? I love this. FTX committed one of the biggest frauds of all time. FTX owner. Our competitor spreads fud and caused us to fail. FTX users, let's find a lawsuit against CZ and Binance. Traditional media, SBF was a savior and they would still be operating if there'd been no bank run. Makes no mistake, the reason that FTX failed was FTX management. Customer mishandling, fraud, all the good things, all the good things that you can think of. That, that's why FTX failed. All right, let's, go, let's cross back to the newsroom. Let's see if there's anything else happening right now. Uh, SBF and once SBF in prison. Okay, so we are getting SBF in prison. I think that's it. So obviously nothing's happening in, in the jury selection. Um, you know what we should do? Dylan, I think he's having a show now. I think what we should do, if you haven't already subscribed to Banter Plus, go and subscribe to Banter Plus. To the 73,900. Put the link on top. Put the link on top. Um, go and subscribe using that link. You can see that Dylan's going live now about are altcoins about to get crushed? Yesterday he said, will this altcoin pump last? This is what I'm doing now. He's saying, are altcoins about to get crushed? I wonder if they are. Let's quickly look here. Uh, 27,578. Let's look at the bubbles in the last hour. The bubbles in the last hour. Mm, up. Sol up. Render up. Matic up. This is in the last hour. Hey? In the last hour. So it looks like something is happening. Something. Something is happening. What's happening? What's happening? Why in the last hour have we had 1% moves in these tokens? Doge up. I need, I need Doge up. I took that Doge position yesterday. Let's quickly, let's quickly look at the Doge position I took in the BitKit competition. My first trade in the BitKit competition. I'm down 20% on that trade. Don't worry. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I do have a plan. No, I really do have a plan. You'll see. I'm going to execute the plan. Um, if you're not already trading on BitKit, if you are in the UK and if you are in Canada and you want $100, just deposit $100. Go to BitKit. Open an account using the link below. Open uh, and, and get $100. Why? Because... Because Bybit's no longer in Canada, no longer in the UK. BitKit are. So we want to cater to all of you guys that, you know, we want to, oh, there's another subscriber to Banter Plus. Much love. All right, listen. Uh, again, let's just quickly open the bubbles together. Um, ooh, yeah. Uh, uh, here we go. So let, let's quickly look at this. You remember this, right? If that did mean that, like, essentially a suit front hands by American, targeting American retail had to be licensed, um, I think that, would be reasonable. 
Which Sam, is if, we, um, if the question was, let's, let's acknowledge that the email protocol will be permissionless as a protocol. Yep. But it was the law of the land in America that every email front end provider required KYC from its users. Yeah. Because under the justification that we do not want people sending information back and forth with terrorists. Yep. Where would you so, stand on that position? Oh, I'd be strongly against that position. I think why? Be, I think be, why? Why would I be against it? Because I think that it, I think it'd be like against freedom of speech. I think it'd be disenfranchising a lot of people. I think I would not trust in practice that it would do a good job. So I agree with you on all of that. I remember this day. I don't want to relive it. Sorry, guys. I just don't feel like reliving that, that garbage. Anyway, we'll see you guys again tomorrow. Or if you want joining our Twitter spaces, we're going to be talking about the SPF trial. Uh, otherwise, go and watch Dylan's show. I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends.